You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome to the Health Hub on Radio Maria Canada, exploring cutting-edge health and wellness information and therapies, helping you to take your health to the next level. I am your host, Kathy Biasse, and I am a holistic nutritionist and a professional cancer coach. In today's show, we are discussing the topic of midlife crises with our guest, Greg Scheinman. Greg is a performance coach and dynamic keynote speaker with a focus on transformation, redefining success, and developing your personal operating system. He is a best-selling author, entrepreneur with two successful exits, athlete, and thought leader on life over 40. A real-life example, Greg has been featured in numerous publications, including the WSJ, Men's Health, and New York Times. He is the founder and face of Midlife Mail, a media company that helps men maximize middle age. His weekly podcast and newsletter reaches over 15,000 people, but most importantly, he is a husband and a father. We talk on the show about you know, why midlife crisis happens? Is it real? Why it seems to hit men more with more impact than women? How men can begin to navigate midlife and how midlife and beyond can be both maximized and welcomed. Stay tuned with us. We will be back with Greg Scheinman in just a few minutes. You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Today's show has been recorded. Please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at The Health Hub, RMC, on all locations. Greg, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I have to tell you guys, uh, we're doing this from Greg's car. We just get the great connection and it's just, <laughs> we're doing this really, this is really a down in the the dirt sort of a, a show today. So it's going to be awesome, especially with the topic that we're speaking about. Greg, how'd you get into this space? So would you call yourself a midlife crisis therapist guy or what would you say? Yeah. One, I am just that. I'm just a guy. I'm a 50-year-old guy. I'm a husband for 22 years now. Um, to my wife, Kate, I'm a father of two boys, 19 and 16, Auden and Harper. And I've had you know, 30 years of life experiences, good, bad, and different, um, you know, as an entrepreneur uh, in various capacities. And you know, now I have been really fortunate to have kind of backed into this next phase of my life as a as a coach, as an author, as a speaker, um, and like you, as a, as a podcaster and doing a weekly newsletter. So I'm kind of a hybrid in, in that regard. And, um, 
and and men have reached out and been incredibly supportive and curious about working together to try to try to dive into this area of of what maximizing midlife really means. So I've got a lot of experience in the space, but most importantly, I'm still continuing to to learn and be inspired every day. Did you have sort of like an air quotes midlife crisis that you had to work out of yourself that gave you the the bandwidth to help others? It's a great question. Um, Now, I wouldn't say I had one specific tipping point moment. I've had a series of incidents, moments, um, situations and circumstances that I think can either, as I say, you know, either defeat you or, or define you um, throughout life. I lost my father when I was 17 years old and he was 47. So right smack in, in midlife. I spent a lot of years chasing societal metrics of success, salary and title, and realizing that that didn't bring me, you know, happiness, having a breakdown at my 10 year anniversary um, with, with a firm that I was a partner in. I've struggled with, with alcohol and kind of conformity and complacency and, and numbing how I was feeling at various times. Um, I watched my brother go to prison for for seven years and wrestling with the loss of, of, of freedom in there. So all of these things are in the bucket, along with being married and navigating a relationship, um, having children and learning and, and living what it's like to be a father, uh, transforming from an unhealthy lifestyle to a lifestyle centered around health and wellness. So all of those things have really been been in the bucket. It's it's almost like you're hitting this at the right time. We're having so many conversations about mental health. That's no longer in a space where people are afraid to talk about it. And with this and to that end, I have seen you know, the rise of groups for men, dealing with men's health, dealing with men's mental health, because before it just wasn't talked about. Men had to be strong. They had to hide their feelings. Do you think that this is under the umbrella of a mental health aspect of care? Would that would you classify it as? And is that where you're aiming to sort of turn around when you're working with men? Well, first, you know, I'm not a therapist. Um, I'm not a psychologist. So, or um, again, I'm I'm just a guy trying to share my life experiences and what has worked and what has not. I think mental health has become very prevalent now. In a way, it's become almost like a hip thing to talk about your your struggles with mental health or that now you can be a vulnerable man and be out there and that you're supposed to join these groups and have these kinds of conversation. And and I think really there's a lot of white space there between having not done any of those things and maybe what you're supposed to do to do now. And, and for me, I definitely was the guy who thought he had to go it alone, push the boulder uphill all by himself, um, was not vulnerable, did not share, uh, lost my father slash father figure mentor, became the oldest guy in my family thinking that this was my role and my job to know it all and do it all. 
And then now there's this, you're supposed to just in a way, almost be the opposite and be okay with the opposite. What I really want to share and with most of the guys that I work with also is, you know, that the middle is the sweet spot, whether that's midlife or the middle in terms of evaluating where you want to be in your mental health journey or just your overall happiness journey or what I like to call total total life wellness. It's really about finding what works best for you and taking a more, I believe, holistic approach to, to success, you know, and, and what I've called the six F's and have built my life around family and fitness and finance and food um, and, and fashion and fun and the six things that I'm really most interested in or that are most important to me. And what does that look like um, as the metric and measure of success? Why do you think, or is it actually a fallacy that men have midlife crisis and women don't have, they're not labeled as having midlife crises? I think there's a lot of stereotypes and stigmas around men and midlife and the crisis. And I genuinely believe that it, that it's real at the same time. I know a lot of very old 30 year olds and I know a lot of very young, let's say 60 year olds. So where it hits, however you want to label it, I think is very personal and, and around the life that, that you are living you know, as, as a man, I think, Again, with men, they define success typically as salary and title, or we go on this path where we go to school and we graduate college and we get a job and we're supposed to to earn and get promoted and then we're supposed to get married and then have children and take care of everybody. And the next thing you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years go by and you take that look in the mirror and you go, wait a minute, is this it? You know, is this the best I'm going to look, the best I'm going to feel, the best I'm ever going to do? And you maybe start to question that. And you start seeing that maybe your best days are behind you and not in front of you. And here you are going through the conformity and the complacency and the redundancy of, of life and piling on responsibilities and obligations. And you feel rudderless. And that feels and looks very much like a crisis. And you struggle with, how do I get out of this? How do I work through this? And again, as men, unless you are willing to ask questions and seek help and advice and mentorship and camaraderie, you're very much alone. Is there a disconnect between what, you know, men think society needs and what actually is, you know, and here I'm thinking about you've got two people in the workforce, you've got two people earning money in, in many homes, you've got communal care of children uh, happening. Is there a confusion? Is the line blurry? Is this what part of the problem is? I think I think so. Um, and I think part of gaining clarity and I do an exercise with, with men that I call better one or better two, which is really based around that exercise when you go to the eye doctor and and they put the lenses in front of you and they flip them back and forth and ask you better one or better two. The goal being to, to dial in your prescription and get clarity. These questions that we have to ask ourselves day in and day out and really simply answer them better one or better two to make better choices 
in our life each day, I think it is blurry. I think it is cloudy. I think that the roles for for men in relationships, however, again, you want to define relationships, um, have been stereotyped a certain way. So to break those habits and behaviors and stereotypes and stigmas and to feel comfortable and clear about it is very challenging for a lot of men. Um, And the majority of men, in this case that I work with, are um, really do come more from the the single provider. You know, they are they are mm-hmm. the the earners. They are in maybe more traditional you know family roles. Um, because forties, fifties, so on and so forth. And now they're entering this time of their life where the boundaries are blurring. They're heading towards either retirement um, or there are greater opportunities for all family members to do different things and be involved in different areas. So how do we sort all this stuff out? You know, when we've been living a certain way for such a long period of time, those habits and behaviors, any of them good or bad, they take time to develop and they take time to, to break and develop new ones. So it's a letting go of rules, maybe a letting go of ideals. Is it lowering the bar for what you think the standard should be? Is it a combination of all of these things? I think it's raising the bar, not lowering it. And I think it's not so much, you know, a reinvention as it is a release. You know, for me, a lot of people have said, oh, you've reinvented yourself and you've done this. And And I say, actually, no, I haven't reinvented myself. What I believe is that I've released myself, that all of these things were always there. Hmm? who I am authentically, how I feel, what I gravitate towards, what what feels natural, what I want to do with my time, put on my body, put in my body, all of those things through the list. They've always been there. There's just been a fear of releasing them and putting them out there comfortably, whether that's perceived boundaries um, in business or at work whether that is prioritization and time management skills. You know what, you know, show me your calendar, I'll show you your priorities is, is one of my things. Where we tend to default, you know, to work and obligations and a lot of things that keep us busy or maybe that we don't necessarily want to do. But yet we say that our families and our health and certain other things are, are our primary, of primary importance to us and our priorities. But if you opened up a guy's calendar and you look at it, they're not there. So I think it's more of, of developing a personal operating system and creating a strategy for the way you want to conduct and carry yourself each and every day, and then following it, which allows you to be who you really are, release that and put that out there. Again, rather than feel like you have to make this reinvention, if you will, or, or that it has to be a 180 or that these challenges or what you're thinking about is so far out of reach and so difficult, don't take a 180 overnight. Just focus on getting 1% better each day around who you really are. I think those we stack up those wins and we stack up those, those happier, more productive, more aligned behaviors each day, and it's amazing what can happen to you. 
It almost sounds like you could do midlife crisis prevention. You could be speaking to men before they hit this age where things kind of come together and you're looking behind you, you're looking ahead of you and not knowing the path you took, if that was correct, or the path you're taking is a good one. Should we be instilling this message at a younger age for men? Absolutely. Um, I'm a slow learner and a late bloomer. <laughs> I, say, I, I say that all the time. Um, you know, on one hand, I was forced to grow up very quickly, again, having lost my father when I was a teenager. At the same time, without the mentorship, without a business in a way to go into, without having somebody to turn to and be there for me, it's taken me a lot longer to try to figure things out and make a lot more mistakes. So I wish I had this type of advice, these types of stories and experiences to listen to and understand what possibility and probability really looks like and how to take action around that. What does a maximized action plan look like having a map? You know, if you don't know where you're going, you'll never get there. So for about 30 years, I didn't really have a clear roadmap. So absolutely should be starting earlier. Um, and what I'm really blessed, I think, and fortunate to be seeing is a lot of younger men are getting that and they are reaching out. They're in their 30s and they're reaching out and saying, I see 40 around the bed. You know? And and I, I hear midlife crisis or what I'm seeing out ahead may not be the way I want to live. And I want to get out in front of it. You know, can you save me time? Can you save me money? Can you save me heartache? Can you, you know, can you help me again navigate what it looks like? So maybe I can just go around, over, or through this altogether and not end up in that valley of despair. So that's one avatar that's definitely coming out, and I'm seeing a lot more of, and it's amazing. These these men who are willing to invest in themselves to show up better as husbands, as fathers, as providers. Um, and understand what success really looks like for them as early as possible. The second one, though, is, is the guys that are right smack in the middle of it. And and as, and as somebody who was there, again, I can tell you with certainty, you can work your way through it and you can work your way out of it. But it's not going to happen by default. It's only going to happen by design. So... You have to make that commitment. You do have to get real and get raw and get vulnerable and get naked with yourself about what steps you're going to take. And, and for me, that really started when I started working with coaches and nutritionists and trainers and financial experts in every area and every category. I didn't have the answers. So I sought out experts in each one of these fields and started asking them the right questions. And taking what I learned, was able to really build my operating system and my roadmap. And then the last category I'll, I'll share with you are the men that have been through this and have come out the other side that are now asking themselves the question, now what? Mm -hmm. What do I do for fun? What do I do for friends? What do I do camarade? You know, they've shifted and changed certain things for the better, but that's also scary. That may mean giving up your drinking buddies. Mm -hmm. or your golf group, or your poker friends, or even certain clients that you've worked with. And 
how do you make new connections, more authentic connections? How do you not feel like the outlier, like I felt for years, transitioning and kind of releasing myself into new opportunities and possibilities? And over what amount of time does it take for you to start feeling comfortable and accepted there? You know, fear fear is a big factor in this. It's hard to take risk. It's hard to put yourself out there. It's hard to ask for help. They're all simple concepts, but simple is very, very hard. And doing simple well is extremely hard, which really is why most don't do it. We overthink. We, uh, you know, this idea, and it's come up so many times in the last little bit of looking for help, looking for guidance, seeking professionals. This is not something you know that people used to be ashamed of doing. You know, I need help looking for help. And I think it's such an important piece. You're seeing so many coaches come out because they have the background, they have the knowledge, and it's such a much straighter line to what you're trying to achieve when you ask for help, when you look for guidance. Everyone, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in just a few minutes. You are listening to The Health Hub, here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, Greg. We ended off on the note that sometimes asking for help is um, absolutely needed. And this is really becoming a new space, but it can be really uncomfortable uh, for people, can't it? You know, if they don't understand, like, what help looks like. Can you kind of hit that point for us? Sure. Uh, I do feel that there's this this potential for over-indexing and falling into the over-indexing trap is one of the things I like to call it, where you go from having not gotten any help or not been comfortable asking for help or to feeling like, oh, now I have to, to dive right in with both feet. I have to join this mastermind or this group and hire these people or everything. And, and that's scary, especially because that sounds like a big, big step. And I think that in terms of Getting help, the first step, one, is acknowledging if you need anything and what you need, and we all need something, then it becomes, can we crawl, walk, run? You don't have to go to a big extreme and over-index from zero to 100 and blow the engine you know, overnight, or go from 100 to zero you know, and, and, fry, and fry the brakes. I think that there's this, again, opportunity to start small. Start by thinking, by, by looking there. What types of coaches are out there? whose lifestyle and experience looks like maybe where I want to go or can benefit me. If again, if you are married and with children and this, you may want to seek somebody out who also has you know, children and, and, and is married for a long time. There's a certain aspect of comfort to kind of like begets like, and I'm not saying you have to be exclusive in that area, but, but men are also, if you don't want to raise your hand or be part of a group or jump right into that, you can work with people one-on-one. You can do things virtually now where you just have to listen you know, and start getting comfortable with various areas of what getting help and counseling looks like. There are tremendous podcasts that are out there. There 
are books that are out there. So you really can, again, find what is best for you. And I have a concept that I call ACE. And it's aggregate, curate, eliminate is what it stands for. You can seek out and aggregate from all of the areas of opportunity that are out there. Embrace your curiosity. Look into everything. Curate it down to what you think really works best for you and lands well for you, and then eliminate everything else because there is an endless supply you know, out there of, of, of advice, mentorship, help, all of these things. Not all of it is applicable to you, and you can't do it all. And so like anything else, find what works for you, embrace that, go down that path. And if after a period of time you find maybe that's not it, or you need something else, you, know, you allow yourself to pivot you know, from there and keep growing. Well, I mean, this is all an evolution, correct? I mean, you talked about stages, you know, you're married, you have children. Well, eventually those children grow up and you hit a different stage. So I think this is a commonality Mm -hmm. that needs to be addressed in all aspects of health, whether we're talking about midlife crisis or any aspect. As things evolve, you need to step back, evolve. But I think the process you're giving people is is the right questions to be thinking about or the right method of action. Because I think, you know, as coaches, as mentors, we're not trying to fix people in as much as we're trying to help them find their path. Is that a correct thing to say? Absolutely. It's all about helping, helping to gain clarity. Mm -hmm. Knowing what's important is what's most important. We got to start there. What does that mean? What does that look like? If you don't know where you're going, you're never going to get there. What is the goal? What is the destination? You talk about an evolution. Look, what got me here isn't going to get me there. You know, you nailed it. I'm two years away from being an empty nester. And my wife and I are working very hard right now on what that next phase looks like to us beyond there. So you are constantly growing. We're aggregating and curating and eliminating ourselves in terms of what works for our lives now. And what do we see working and wanting to implement and explore and utilize in the future? We are realigning our calendars based on that in there. And at the same time, the last point being, be nice to yourself in the process. When I say grace, extend yourself some grace, gratitude, and latitude. This is hard. This takes effort. It takes consistency in there. We're way too hard on ourselves. So extend yourself some grace, gratitude, and latitude during the process and focus more on the actions each day than the outcome. The outcome will come if you take the right actions each day. Definition of success for men also evolves. Uh, I, you know, even though societal norms are changing, um, I think, in, you know, just from my looking outward and, and watching and examining evolution for people in general, it changes our definition of what success is, our definition of where we want to be is has to evolve. Is it a harder process for men than women? Is that why you find that men are hitting this midlife crisis and, you know, women have issues, but they seem to be spread out. Um, if we look at sort of the, the the common language and the common things that we look towards when we're trying to research these things, are men having a time shifting in their definition? I think men have a bit of a more challenging time in shifting the definition because they see it sometimes as a cop-out. Or if I say, you know, 
these, my definition of success is, let's say, different from the societal norm. That's the cop out because I'm not as financially successful, you know, as I had wanted to be. So there, or I'm not as high up as I, as I, you know, as my peers or as I thought I was going to be. So now I've fallen back on, here's the excuse of, well, it doesn't really matter all that much in there. And I don't subscribe to that. I don't think that that's true. I think in terms of as somebody who chased it for a while, uh, and quite frankly, has had has quite a bit of success and a number of, of failures. When I had those milestone moments of, of making my first million, of selling my company, of you know becoming a, a big a partner in a big firm, producing my movie, like a lot of things that I've done. When I had those milestone moments, I found that they really didn't make me any happier. Hmm. They really didn't. They didn't really equate to what I thought they were going to be. So then you start really thinking about redefining success and what it looks like. And it was everything in between. It was the moments and experiences with my family and my kids. It was selling DVDs out of the trunk of my car years before the company became successful. It was being on set, you know, with the movies, not, you know, at the festival when they were already done. It was the process of writing my book, not when the book got released in there. And it wasn't, the financial reward that really moved the needle. And I'm not saying that, that that's not important to a degree, but when you really put it in context, for me, when I started to redefine even finance as one of my Fs, it's okay, how much money do you need to do what you want to do, when you want to do it, with who you want to do it with for as long as you want to do it? Okay, as long as I can check those boxes, we're good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I see all different types of guys out there and I see all sides of it. You know, when I had eight partners in my last firm and when we were acquired, I was the only partner to leave. We just had a different definition of success of, of what the next phase and what our goals were like, not wrong or right for anybody in there. And I think no matter what it is that you do professionally, I think that that's just one facet of your of your identity. I think the key is to be successful at it. The key is to try to make the most of it. I think there's a lot of talk about um, you've got to you know, quit your job or follow your passion. Or if you're not happy in your job, or then you've got to quit and move to something else. And I would offer not so fast, especially in middle age. That can be very irresponsible. Mm-hmm. We have obligations, responsibilities, financial aspects. That I would offer again, make a plan. Think about this. Maybe your career, your job, what you're doing can fund your passions. Not all of your passions and hobbies have to become businesses. You know, there's a mindset approach to this too about looking at each area of your life and deciding what the right thing to do at the right time is and being practical and responsible. And that leads to happiness and fulfillment. I know a lot of guys that have chased, you know, following their passion and left very stable situations and put themselves into very precarious situations that provided temporary happiness, but not long-term success and fulfillment and created a lot of additional stress and anxiety. So there's a lot, there's a lot to this. 
Well, it's your definition and, too and of what you want, what you think is successful. And I, and I go back to it, that has to change through different phases of your life. You know, when you were saying that y- you sold your business and, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't your peak of success, you know, all about the climb sort of idea. When you, when you reach mm-hmm. your goals in some way, shape or form, that's an ending and you have to look for new beginnings. And that can be scary for people. Where do you think mortality fits into midlife crisis? Mm. You know, I see things through a bit of a different lens. Um, again, my father was 47 when he passed away. And something I say is that at 47, my father's life ended. At 47, mine began. And that's really the way I see it, that I'm in bonus time right now. I have this opportunity to make this next phase of my life the best phase and not squander it because my dad didn't get those years. And I think about how young 47 really is now. And when you're 20 and even 30, it seems so far away and old. And when you're 50, as I am right now, it seems super young you know, to me. Mm-hmm. So I think mortality is part of, plays a big role in, in the midlife crisis, if you will, because men see the best days again behind them. They see their runway getting shorter. They see, in a lot of cases, I'm not, as, as, I'm not in the shape that I was when I was younger. I don't recover as quickly. I am tired again, more more frequently, everything is harder. They see aging again as, as more challenging and difficult. And you start looking ahead and you see other people, you start hearing about people that have, that have health issues or this is happening or they're experiencing any kinds of hardship and challenge. So mortality plays a big role in how much time we have left. And it's that one resource that we can't make more of. I feel that we do have this opportunity now to live better and longer and healthier and happier and wealthier and stronger than at any other time of our lives and have more fun because we also know more. We can pack a lot. You know, I'll get 50 to 70, I think are going to be the best years of my life. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pack a lot into 50 to 70. And I think I'll live hopefully much longer you know, than that. But what it really comes down to also is, are we making the most of our time? Are we being intentional? Are we being purposeful? You know, are, we, are we not squandering again opportunities and, and leaving things on the table? Regret's a big deal you know, in this. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know that Jim Rohn quote, you know, like, you know, the pain of, you know, the difference between the pain of discipline and the pain of regret. You know, the pain of discipline weighs ounces while the pain of regret weighs tons. Well, we get to choose which one we want to carry. And I think you got to wake up every morning being cognizant of that. And I don't think they have to be these rainbow and unicorn. Yeah. I don't think they have to be these rainbow unicorn vacation days, you know, to have a good day. I think, you know, you can script and write what a good day looks like for you every Monday, for example. And, do, and then what's it like to string a bunch of those days together? 
to wake up with energy, kiss your wife good morning before you get out of bed rather than just take her for granted you know, after 20-something years. Go walk your dogs. Get outside in nature. Go exercise for 30 minutes to an hour. Have a really good breakfast like I just did before I got on the phone. You know, all of those things before I got on the phone with you. Have a great conversation with somebody who's doing really great work. Get dressed in something that brings you confidence and makes you feel, you know, like a, like a great version of yourself. You know, those types of activities each and every day performed consistently really add up to something powerful. And again, I think it's simple. And anybody and everyone can do it. But simple is hard. And we tend to think about more more money, you know, more experience, bigger car, every more. And I don't think more is the answer. I think less with more focus is better. I think consistency over intensity is, is better. I think really getting in tune with what's important to you and really what matters and what you define as success personally and within your own home like that's really where it's at. Sounds like wisdom. It sounds like, you know, the, the early part of our life, we're setting things up. And it's, it's an odd thing when you look at it. We set things up. We save for retirement. We save for those better days when we're not having all the responsibilities. And yet we get to them and it's frightening. I think, you know, one of my kids asked just last week, um, because my husband and I, we've got two kids that are leaving the house. One's already gone. It's we'll have one left over. And um, Mm -hmm. she said, is this now, mom, the best time? Because we're traveling a lot. She says, is this the best time of life for you? And I said, you know what, honestly, I've enjoyed every phase, but every phase I've had to work hard in. And I don't think that Mm -hmm. you can eliminate that work. And I think it's it's your attitude and what you're looking. We're all going to exit at some point, but the fear of of you know having that in your head all the time just takes away so much from what your day can bring. And I think what you're doing is, you know, you're giving people this laser into how to formulate better thoughts, ideas, paths, and phases. And I think it's so very important, especially for men as you're dealing with, because I think that that men have been maybe pushed aside when it comes to that mental space. So congratulations for everything you're doing. If people want to get a hold of you or, you know, download your book, podcast, whatever, where do they look to find you? Yeah, thank you very much. Um, the easiest place, midlifemail.com. So you can find information on me, my book, subscribe to the podcast and the newsletter, which are free. I have, have a free uh, downloadable guide that's there as well. Um, you can set up an appointment to chat with me if you're interested in coaching. Uh, happy to talk to you about that as well. I'm on Instagram at Greg Scheinman. So that's easy. I'm not hard to find. Um, so I spend a lot of time between LinkedIn and Instagram on social. Uh, and I'm always checking in through the website and the podcast and the newsletter. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today, Greg. It's been a real pleasure. Kathy, thank you. I really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you for having me. Everybody, we'll talk to you next week on The Health
You have been listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.